Hey, hey, hey! Welcome to episode 7 of the Slipstream Podcast. I'm your host, Brent Houston. Thanks for joining me again this week. We are still coming at you live from our studio in the Hocking Hills here in the compound. Uh, we're still in sequester from the dreaded COVID-19. We've we've crossed, we're about to cross 90 days, I think, or we're just getting really close. Um, but yeah, so 90 days of uh, not really interacting, not really leaving the house uh, other than to uh, drive it to a grocery store and have them uh, parking lot and have them throw stuff in the back. Uh, that's really about it. Uh, otherwise, we've been pretty much sequestered, staying to ourselves, haven't seen our family other than uh, virtually uh, for that amount of time. And I'm going to today uh, cover uh, something called the Carroll algorithm. That's C-A-R-O-L dot uh, for those of you who are interested, but Carol, C-A-R-O-L. And I'm going to really talk about how the Carol algorithm changed my health and, and sort of the impact it's had on my life over the last uh, few months and how it came to be. So um, let's, uh, let's dig in. So first of all, what is the Carol algorithm and where did it come from? Um, it is an algorithm designed to optimize the return on investment for a small amount of cardiovascular exercise. And uh, I first heard of it on a podcast by Dr. Peter Atia, uh, who I, I follow pretty heavily. I, I wouldn't say I listen to every one of his podcasts, or uh, I certainly don't read every article he posts, uh, but several times a month I uh, do consume some of his content, and I am a big fan of the work that he does. Uh, he is specifically focused on health and longevity, um, but uh, he his insights into um, the impacts of different lifestyle changes and different types of lifestyles and diet, uh, I think are very interesting. I love how he approaches everything with a true, uh, scientific method approach. And as, as you know, as a systems thinker, um, that is one of the things that I really value. So I'm a big fan of Dr. Peter Atia and, uh, on Peter's podcast is where I first heard about the Carroll algorithm. Uh, it comes from a paper that was written by Richard Metcalf, John Bobraj, Samantha Faulkner, and Niels Vollard. Uh, and that paper, not to be too technical, but the paper is called Beneficial Effects of Reduced Excursion High Intensity Interval Training, or REHIT. And so if you are into any kind of, uh, you know, physical health or exercise, you probably have heard of high-intensity interval training. Um, and what this uh, group of folks did was they tried to figure out what is the minimum viable dose of high-intensity interval training that you could do, and you could still find some results, some measurable return results that were positive. Um, and so 
I got kind of interested in it. Um, what is interesting, if you read their uh, scientific papers, uh, it clearly shows that just using the algorithm, the Carroll algorithm that they came up with, um, has shown a noted set of improvements across a variety of, of health metrics. Now, if you stuck with me this far and you're like, you know, Brent, I don't care about working out. I don't care about health. I don't care anything. I, I listen to the Slipstream podcast to learn about systems thinking, to learn about mental models. This is why this is important because what I'm going to talk through is how I looked at their research, looked at the Carroll algorithm, and kind of performed some analysis on it, um, and then how I actually used it and what happened. And so if you're, if you're a systems thinker, if you're uh, a, a life hacker, stick with me. And I promise we'll get through this without, uh, without the need to do this. In fact, um, if, you're, if you're just uh, a geek and, and uh, you know, you're stereotypical, don't like to exercise, here's my promise to you. If you were to give the Carroll algorithm a try yourself on an exercise bike, usually in the first uh, couple of uses, you don't even break a sweat doing it and you still get some benefits. So that's my promise. All right. So back to the story. So these folks, Richard Metcalf and John Bob Raj, Samantha Faulkner, Niels Vallard, these are scientists and uh, physicians and they conducted this exercise uh, science around rehit. What they did following the, the original paper was a number of other papers and sets of research around the same sort of uh, approach. What could you do? How minimized could you make the high intensity part of the training? How long did the overall training have to be to essentially reap a benefit? Now, Along the way, they came up with a mechanism that they started to focus on as an improvement, and that is called O2 max. Um, so this is literally the, the, the maximum amount of oxygen uh, that your, your body is able to utilize in the high-intensity portion of the uh, exercise. And so that became kind of how they measured improvement. It, it became the metric that they used for the rest of their research. Now, as they did these continuing research projects, what they eventually created, they, they stumbled upon, was this algorithm. This algorithm of uh, bursts, very quick bursts of high intensity, maximum intensity output, followed by steady state, easy output followed by a second burst of really high intensity output and then followed by a closing of steady state not hard output at all that process that algorithm which they began to call carol uh, the carol algorithm is turned out to be incredibly effective at improving O2 max and improving a variety of other health metrics as they used as they used it. So eventually, the scientists uh, they created a machine learning mechanism. Ah, I got your attention now, geeks. Uh, the machine learning mechanism, 
which they tied to an exercise bike. And what happens is as you're on the exercise bike, this machine learning algorithm looks at some of your uh, some of your biostats like your heart rate and such, and it adjusts dynamically the resistance to match the algorithm so that each ride you get is unique. It's unique to you. It's unique every time. And it's designed to essentially get you this maximum burn capability and essentially optimize your response. And they call that thing the Carol bike. And you can find it. If you're really interested, you want to go out there and look at it. It's at carolfitai.com. That's C-A-R-O-L-F-I-T-A-I.com. Now, I don't get any uh, sort of reward. They have no association with me. They don't even know me from Adam. Uh, But that's just where you can go to learn more about this. Now, when I learned about this on on Dr. Atiyah's podcast, I was just fascinated. Fascinated by the use of the scientific method to kind of find the minimum viable dose. I was just fascinated by the fact that you could do so little work, nine minutes of exercise in this very specific way, and you could still get these health benefits. And I thought to myself, man, even I can do uh, nine minutes. And then I went and I looked at the Carol Fit AI website, and I saw the price tag on the bike. And I'm not going to kid you, it... It was expensive. Um, It was more than I really wanted to spend on uh, exercise equipment, Um, especially given that normally I work out at a gym when it's not, uh, you know, sort of the COVID thing. Um, And so it just wasn't something that I wanted to do. Now, here's the thing. Here's why Carol is important to me. Ever since I was a teenager, I've had some problems with my weight. Uh, I've always kind of been heavier than I thought I should be. And uh, it's, it's risen and fallen and risen and fallen throughout the years. Now, Carol, uh, you know, when I saw this, I've, I was just intrigued by its improvement across a, lo- a variety of health metrics as a heavier person Uh, I was intrigued by the idea of more cardiovascular fitness. But here's the thing. As we started into COVID lockdown and I was locked away from the gym and I wasn't able to even do the basic exercise that I was doing, I started to notice a lot more knee pain and leg pain and hip pain. And I just wasn't feeling very good. Walking didn't seem to help. And I was really having some knee and calf pain that was pretty significant. Um, I noticed then that I started to think about it and and do some, you know, kind of uh, testing on myself. And I noticed that what had happened since we had stopped kind of going to the gym and working out is that my hamstrings had really become weak. They, and they were, that was causing me to compensate in my walking. That led to sore calves, which led to knee pain and a whole bunch of other problems. 
So I had a, I had a need. I had a need to improve that issue. And that brought me back in my head again and again and again to the Carol, the idea of an algorithm where minimum input retrieved some pretty significant output. You know, I love the idea of, of just an algorithm for exercise alone. But then I was curious to see whether I could apply the Pareto principle to the process, right? Like, is the algorithm alone, the Carroll algorithm, is it really the 20% that'll get me 80% of the output? Or do I have to buy the fancy bike in order to get results? And so I decided I was going to give this a shot. Um, so I looked around, and uh, here's how I deployed the Carroll algorithm. I went on Amazon, and I bought a very cheap uh, desk cycle. This is a, a pedal uh, set that you sit. It's designed for use under a desk um, while you sit in a desk chair, and it has adjustable resistance on it. Um, small, very inexpensive. Uh, it, Amazon delivered it right to the front door, even during the pandemic. And I didn't really expect a lot. I got I to gotta be honest. I really didn't expect a lot. I thought, you know, this thing's kind of chintzy. Um, I put it in front of a chair in uh, my room here. And the first thing I the first time I tried it, I thought, my gosh, this just seems so chintzy. There's no way this is going to work. And the thing was balanced. You know, as I started to try to really pedal, the thing is moving all over the place. Uh, we have hardwood floors, so the the chair was sliding and the the desk was sliding. And I thought, okay, I gotta I gotta handle this one problem at a time. So I went. I got a throw rug, threw the throw rug down on the floor, put the back legs of the uh, under desk exercise bike, if you want to call it that, on the rug. Put the front legs of my uh, chair on the rug and uh, tried it again. It still moved a little bit, so I went and I picked up a kettlebell. Uh, I have a kettlebell that I use when I'm uh, doing deadlifts and kettlebell swings. And I put that right in front of the bike to hold it in place. So now, here's what it looks like. Kettlebell, just used to hold the bike in place. The bike on a rug, and the rug holds the back legs of the bike and the legs of my chair. Boom. Now all of a sudden this thing isn't moving. And um, so I can pedal away. All right. So I got my setup. And the next thing is I said, okay, I'm going to take and use this algorithm. Now I don't have anything that's going to dynamically increase the tension or anything like that. So I found a comfortable tension uh, that I could try with. And I did the following. Here's how I use the Carroll algorithm. Directly off the way the bike works, minus all the fancy schmancy stuff that's on the fancy bike that's so expensive. Here we go. A two-minute warm-up. Got your feet in the stirrups of the bike, desk bike, sitting in the desk chair, sitting up straight. Really just pedaling, trying to get around 16 to 20 RPMs. Just easy, nice and slow. Not very difficult at all. This is, you could easily do this while you carried on a conversation. No one would even know. You're not breathless or anything else. At the two minute mark, then I do a 20 second all out as fast as I can pedal 
for 20 seconds. Now, the little uh, desk cycle I bought has a clock up on top of it uh, that counts how long you've been doing it. So that's how I know when I hit the 20-second mark. But you could also do it with your Apple Watch or any watch or just a clock if you had it. Two-minute warm-up followed by a 20-second sprint. Then a three-minute, so now it's two. the clock is at two minutes and 20 seconds. A three-minute steady, low-intensity exercise, a little faster usually than my warm-up. So now I'm in the 20 to 25 RPMs, uh, really not very fast at all. It, this is not difficult. It's just steady state, low-intensity exercise, and I'm going to do that for three minutes. So now, at the end of that three-minute period, the clock is at 5.20, 5 minutes, 20 seconds. I'm going to do a second 20-second sprint all out as hard as I can, 20 seconds. And once that's done, the clock is now at 5 minutes and 40 seconds. And I'm going to then go the rest of the way, the other 3 minutes and 20 seconds, to get to the 9-minute mark. Still in that low-intensity exercise, 20 to 25 RPMs. But I'm going to focus on my breath work during that time. So just like the beginnings of a meditation exercise, a mindfulness exercise, breathing in through the nose, out through the mouth, a little bit forcefully. Like the person, if somebody is next to you, they should hear you breathe out. Kind of a like you're blowing, blowing bubbles or something like that. Um, and... That is really it. Two-minute warm-up, 20-second sprint, three-minute low-intensity exercise, 20-second sprint, three-minute and 20-second low-intensity exercise with a focus on your breathing. That's it. Nine minutes total. I do that three times a week. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday is the target. So a total of 27 minutes of exercise. And if you take all that, it's a total of two minutes per week of sprint output. So it doesn't sound like much. Doesn't It's not hard. When I go in and I do this thing, most of the time, I'm not even sweating when I come off of the bike. But here is the thing. This is what happened for me. This is the results of using the Carol exercise for uh, now just um, almost six weeks. Uh, it, and here's the deal. My knee and calf pain completely went away after the first week. So just three sessions in using the algorithm on this chintzy setup. Um, and, and my knee and calf pain completely went away. In three weeks, my hamstring strength became noticeably different, as did the formation of my hamstring. So if you... If I flex my legs, you can actually see there's a difference in just three weeks. Three weeks. I've been doing four weeks per resistance setting. Literally, I started at one is no resistance on this device. Two is the lowest level of resistance. And after four weeks, I started at two. And after four weeks, I cranked it up to three. Literally four weeks per resistance setting. And I'm working up to the maximum. My pulse rate, as measured by my smartwatch, my pulse rate while I'm in the sprints has improved every week 
since I started. Absolutely amazing. It gets better and better every single week. The the rate of my pulse when I'm in maximum output mode has gotten better every single week. The number of RPMs that I'm able to hit in the sprint cycle um, has improved each week as measured by the cycle itself, right? So uh, I've been able to get faster and faster in those sprint sessions every week, week on week, improving week on week. My wife, my wife actually said uh, that my glutes have noticeably more shape after just three weeks of doing the exercise, 27 minutes a week, three nine-minute sessions. My wife tells me, hey, you know, your glutes are, are looking more shaped. Um, I got to tell you, that's a great feeling to have happen. Um, and so, yeah, check it out. Three weeks is all that took. Now, there, have, there hasn't been any noticeable weight loss. Um, I, I really haven't, you know, the scale isn't any different. But what I will tell you is I've had more energy and sort of less out-of-breath times in day-to-day life. I'm able to kind of do more um, cardiovascular kind of stuff without getting out of of breath. Um, That's translated into my strength workouts as well because I am noticing now I can do more of those without getting out of breath. So um, just fantastic. I think overall... The idea of having an algorithm for your health, especially something that's so simple as the Carroll algorithm. Two-minute warm-up, 20-second sprint, three-minute steady state, 20-second sprint, three-minute, 20-second, second, uh, you know, low intensity uh, with focus on your breath. That's all it took to have that kind of difference. So I wanted to give you a real-life example of how Uh, I used an algorithm, something that was known in the world. Uh, I applied the Pareto principle, came up with a hypothesis, and uh, tested it out and figured out what worked and what didn't. In this case, it did work uh, for the improvements we talked about. Uh, Didn't cause me to lose any weight, sadly. Maybe one of these days that'll come around. But in the meantime, I'm happy for what I've achieved. And I hope that if you decide to give this a shot, uh, that you get something out of it as well. So that's really it. The mental model of uh, a, a health-based algorithm, a real-life use case of the Pareto principle, and of self-experimentation where N equals 1. So that's it for this week on the Slipstream podcast. If you've got questions, comments, feedback, you want to tell me, uh, your experience trying out the Carol algorithm or uh, got any tips for me or things that you want me to talk about or never talk about again, uh, feel free to reach out. Let me know. Hit me up on Twitter. I'm at L-B-H-U-S-T-O-N. That's L-B-Houston on Twitter. Hit me up. Let me know. Always open to feedback. And uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Slipstream. Until next week. Stay safe out there. Take care of yourselves. 